it's really important and good to learn how to focus on on the good. Letting those outweigh the other voices, I also think that is a skill, but I think it's one worth practicing. Hey you, you're listening to Not Yet, the podcast about our relationships and how they're the keys to our self-discovery. I'm your host, Paige Polk. I'm a community builder and Emmy award-winning digital media artist, channeling the powers of introspection. You're in the right place if you're mindful about the world you create and believe it's possible for us all to belong. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast. This community healing project is for creators on a spiritual journey, and I'm so grateful that you're here, and I'm also here with a super special guest. Thank you so much for joining us, Danny. Yes, thanks for having me. This has already been like such a peaceful experience. Oh, I think this is the most peaceful intro to a podcast that I've ever been in. <laughs> I love to hear that. That means I'm doing something right to repeat. Oh. It, it does mean you're doing something right. And you're also setting the tone for what you want in your work, which like anyone can do when you're when you're having a guest or when you're on set or when you're whatever, like you get to set the tone for what your process in your work is. So I just, I think that's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And I think that's a big tip. I really believe in the power of intention and being mindful of where you want to go and how mm-hmm. you show up. Um, I'm going to give a brief intro about you. Okay. <laughs> uh, because you have, you're, you're quite the human being. Uh, you're an LA based writer and actress. Uh, you wrote in the best-selling book, The Good Emigrant USA. Check out her essay, you guys, because it's really good. <laughs> Thank and you. And uh, hosted for E! News, Nerdist, The CW, and Disney. She can be seen in animated form, playing herself, in Disney's Ralph Breaks the Internet. She's currently writing on a Netflix drama and has written on the upcoming CW show, The Girls on the Bus, and the HBO Max show, More. This year, she hosted the first annual Critics' Choice Super Awards on the CW. True. How does it feel to have that said back to you? You know, it is. It it feels really good. It is an accumulation, I will say, for everyone listening. So it's definitely you know the accumulation of years um, because it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like something that happened all at once. So I'm you know we talk about like manifesting for the, like I focus way too much on future things as opposed to being present and, and celebrating my goals. I've actually been trying to do that a lot more this year is celebrating the wins that I have. But, you know, in this business, it feels like you just need to be doing the next thing. Like all those things don't matter. Cause it's like, what am I announcing? What is the next thing I'm announcing? Um, so it is nice to do things like that and to remember like, oh, yeah, I did do all of those things. <laughs> yeah, you did do all of those things. And um, when you said that you have a tendency to live in the future, uh, that resonated so hard for me. <laughs> that resonated so hard for me. It can feel really challenging, like working in media. We we work in very different spaces in in the media world, but I think that you know, this idea that once something is out there, people are already waiting for whatever's coming next rings Mm. true. And I'm wondering, you know, when you're working in this space that's always changing, who are you in, in the, in the sense of, um, where do you think that you are going? 
Um, f- where I think I'm going is I, you know, I, I tweeted something yesterday that was, I want people to just, I want to be so filled with love that people can feel it when they watch me on screen. Like they feel good watching me that people like that, you know, even when I'm in a room with them, they can feel that goodness, like seeping it. We, there are people like that in our lives and there are actors, you know, that you watch and you're like, I just love watching this person. They just seem like so much fun. Like that's my goal. That's like my, my, one of my biggest goal and goals and is to be seen, I think is the other thing. I just, I feel like it is difficult in this business because it seems like the same names get the same work, if that makes sense. It's, it's can feel very difficult to break in for people to want to take chances. And, you know, I have had some success, but overall, I feel like a lot of times they're looking for someone that had, that's like a veteran A-list. We, we hear that a lot, that we need like A-list actors and stuff to be um, attached to this, to sell it and whatever, and uh, attached to this movie. And I really want to not only break through, but also help other people break through. That is one of my biggest goals, um, is finding new talent, finding people, you know, of all ages. Uh, cause when I say new, I don't just mean young, finding people of all ages who just like they're talented and they just haven't had their chance in the spotlight to be seen. Um, so I think as a performer, it's just so important to me that people can see me. And when they do see me, I want them to feel all of the healing work I've done to be vulnerable, like all of that work, I want it to resonate. I want it to come out in my work and in my acting. I want you to be able to tell and feel that. Um, and so it's kind of twofold. Like, yes, it, it helped healed me, you know, it helped heal my heart and a lot of the, the areas of my life that felt impossible to to get over, but I also want that reflected in, in my work. And I think it does make me a better actress and writer. And yeah, so I guess my goal is to be seen. I want the world to see me and I I don't think it has yet. I think it's start, I think it's starting to, but, um, and I guess that starts with me, with me believing that it's going to happen. And I do, I do believe Mm -hmm. that it's going to happen, that it is happening. Actually, it's happening right now. So Yeah, I really hear that, like, I hear that, that desire to be seen as the love that you hold and -hmm. the love that you share and the love that you've built for yourself and for others. I I think that that is the mark of someone who's truly living in their purpose. True. Yeah. When it's grounded in, in healing and it's grounded in love for yourself and others, like that's, that's Dharma work right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. My biggest thing is choosing love over fear because I think there's so many, obviously, in the world to be afraid of, but also in this, just like the competitiveness of our industries. And I'm just like, I just can't be in fear about it, be in fear about making it, be in fear of like getting this role. Someone got this role over me. This person's doing it. Like, there's so much that we would be inclined to be afraid of. And I'm just, I'm just pushing myself to choose love instead pushing myself to be like, no, I send love to that person. It's really hard to book something out here. They probably really needed that. Mm -hmm. And my perfect thing is coming. My stuff is, you know, manifesting. Like I, that role that will allow me to be all of those things, to show my heart, to show my vulnerability, to show my silliness, my humor, my comedy, like all of that. Um, 
that is happening. So that's, that's my biggest thing that I think everyone could do, but really helps me is choosing love over choosing fear. I value the language choice that it is happening. Like, like yes, this is the I have moment. to. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I'm curious. I have a question. Um, how, like what really went through your head when I reached out to your team about being a guest on this podcast? It just seemed really, it seemed like a good opportunity to talk about these things that I have been studying myself and this mentality and spirituality that I have been really just diving headfirst in the past couple of years. And that is what really excites me. Um, finding other people that believe in the same things that I do, um, with that, just like I was saying, like the, the choosing love and, um, wanting to be seen and wanting to be seen in an authentic way. And yeah. So it just seemed like a good, a fit, a good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About, I mean, this is definitely a space where we talk about, uh, <laughs> where, where we talk about spirituality, but you know, the process yeah, you know it's never done. I was uh, I was talking to a friend today about man. I I went through this period, maybe like a year into COVID, where I was like, wow, look at all of this this solitude that I've been you know thriving in. You know, I didn't I didn't ask for this, but you know, I made lemons out of lemonade. I've been doing all this meditating. I've solved all my trauma. <laughs> The joke is I didn't solve all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like there's more, there's levels to this. And uh, it's also really beautiful to acknowledge the levels to it and to unleash sort of like levels of power when you like break through and heal something else or when you like you see healing in someone else and you can acknowledge that. Like that's, that's, that's like, I wish I could like, I wish you were here. Like I could, like, I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's what, lights up my heart. Yeah. I do think for everyone listening, it's so, I get a little pushback whenever I tweet anything inspirational. And I think it's because people think that it's easy and it's not. I think Mm. listening to us, it might be like, wow, you know, like choosing love and doing this. Like, it's just very like goody goody, you know, but it's actually the hardest thing. You as someone that deals with trauma and me as a, also as a trauma survivor, it's like, it is the hardest thing to have hope. I don't, I don't even know how to properly articulate it. It is the hardest thing that I've ever done of anything in my life. And it takes work. It takes constant work. It is a skill. It's something that you have mm-hmm. to constantly work at. It's not like you just ho- turn on a hope switch and it's on. Um, and you're con- it's constantly tested. It's constantly tested. You're, con- you know, I, I feel like, you know, you might have been harmed as a kid and then you're harmed again as an adult. And then you're, you know, you, ha- you might have someone cheat on you and that hurts you. And you're like, why would this happen? I, I'm such a good, you know, person and lover and whatever. Like I'm giving my all and it's still, you still can get hurt. It, you know, you're, and so I just wanted to say like, whenever you see me post anything (laughs) inspirational, one, it's typically for me. Um, Mm. I'm typically writing a reminder for myself, but two, it means that I was like really going through it (laughs) and, and, and trying to find hope in situations that feel hopeless. Yeah. I really think that. Yeah. Oh, what were we saying? No, I just, and it, it is very, and it's, 
it's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult. I have, I've heard that from a lot of artists. A lot of the time when I'm creating work, it's for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm creating this because it's an opportunity for me to express something I need to express. And it's my hope that it touches someone else. And also I'm, I'm, I'm serving myself too. Like I need to take care of myself too. And, and the work is just one avenue of True. doing that. Yeah. Well, you are navigating a lot of different avenues within Hollywood, you know, like as a writer, um, as an actress, as a host. Um, and you also have a pretty visible, like cultural persona as well. And, um, in a space that documents absolutely everything, um, you still manage to like share what feels very vulnerable and very honest. And I would love to talk to you about like the process of building a mindset of showing up honestly, Mm. in such a visible space. For sure. I think it started, I've been pretty open about, um, I don't know, I might have to do like a warning or something here, but I've, I've been honest about my mental health. I'll say that. Um, and having, dealing with suicidal ideation, um, and having past attempts, I I was very, very, I've been very honest and open about it. In fact, I sold my show, (laughs) about, about that, about a girl who survives an attempt. And that was me. That is literally me. Um, and so this is all to say hiding it felt scarier. It felt scarier to hide what I was going through with my mental health, because if I shared it, it felt like one, I was more connected to other people dealing with it. And two, I had some accountability. I was able to tell people like, Hey, this is something that happened to me. And, and I, I need to talk about it because even though it was, it can feel very embarrassing. I want to say, I, I, I would have people coming up to me at parties, you know, and this is something that happened years ago. Um, but I would have people coming up to me at parties like, oh, I heard like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, this, this was like in my early 20s, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was just like, I just remember thinking like, oh crap, I forgot you probably read that and you read that <laughs> and like all the, like your cousin reads it and then your like old teacher reads it and you're like, oh crap, um, everyone knows. But the alternative is scarier. The alternative of no one knowing and me possibly doing it again was scarier to me. And so that was what launched me to being more honest. Um was was sharing that and so many people relate to it like i feel i have wedged myself in a little area of the the mental health community and it's not perfect it's very messy mental health is very messy the people who talk about it can also be really messy and i am i am no different you know i'm also a comedy writer so i find a lot of comedy <laughs> in my trauma and that's very upsetting sometimes to people and that's fine that's totally fine because i just want us to be able to equally have our feelings about it mm. like that's how i feel in the mental health community is like how you feel Um, I've also talked about having, um, a past eating disorder and, um, I also have OCD. I mean, I have a resume, resume. um, actually when I was in, um, when I was in outpatient, I was in a, a great trauma treatment program. And, uh, and anytime a new person would come in, we would have to say why we were there. And so it felt like we were reading off a resume, like, hi, you know, I have this and this and this and, uh, and then this happened. And, 
Um, this is all to say someone else who has OCD is equally allowed to feel how they do about it, but that doesn't negate or take away how I, I just want them to, to realize that because mm. when I make jokes say about my OCD, um, because that's helpful to me and that's also a part of my, my career and my art, I'm allowed to do that. And if that bothers someone, they're allowed to feel that way as well. Like we both have equal weight. One of us does not outweigh the other, I guess, because I often feel that. I often feel people feel that their opinion on it outweighs another person's. And I just feel as fellow people dealing with it. Um, now that's different than I think being like, really harmful, you know, like that and encouraging self-harm. That is not the same. As having as, emotions. Yes. As having emotions or having a feeling about it or whatever, or just being like, um, joking about your trauma or your trauma with your family or whatever. Um, and a lot of my, fr a lot of my friends in comedy do that. And, and so I think that's a way, that's a way to process it. Um, mm. But yeah, I feel comedy, comedy is a lot of honesty, a lot of authenticity. That's what makes comedy funny, as you can clearly tell that person has gone through it, <laughs> that person is living through it. Um, and so that is why I started to be more honest. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I hear and I appreciate the willingness to be honest about your challenges. I'm navigating, I'm navigating just how honest to be personally <laughs> because mm. I, up until this point in my career, I wasn't very visible in media. I was always in the back end. I was always producing or I was always editing and I would have feelings or I'd have experiences that were related to the work or I'd feel really strongly connected to it because, you know, that's why we create work. Like, like film and TV, it really does take a village to bring something to life. And True. Yeah. And I felt so comfortable, you know, behind the scenes being like, I, I like I really I really respect actors and actresses for that in that sense of being able to be the literal face of an mm -hmm. of an experience. Um, and. Yeah, all of this is to say I really admire that because I'm I'm definitely struggling with just how much of myself do I share and how much of 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 this is is really for my intimate people and how much of this is I still working through myself and I do I not actually want to put out there um yeah yeah one of my first episodes of this podcast actually was a solo one where I announced to every person in the world that I got fired from my job <laughs> <laughs> and and it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life because it's it's something that can have a lot of shame around it. Yeah, definitely. It's something that can have a lot of shame. It's something that can be up to lots of different interpretations. And um, and also, I think that there's a lot of really challenging mental health things that we like to veer away from when it comes to like being severed from any kind of entity, like whether it's from a job or like from a family structure or like losing a friend, like it kind of changes you. It yeah. changes you a little bit. Um, and I'm curious, like when it comes to you being a visible human and also creating work that like does is impacted by your life, not necessarily it is your life. Um,
How do you decide when something is ready to share? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Well, this is why Twitter has a delete button. <laughs> 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 I joke about this with some of my other friends who tweet at like 3 a.m. And then the and then you can see they like quietly deleted it because um, when is something ready to share? That's such a good question because I don't know if I have the correct answer. You know, the correct answer seems like it would be when you've when you've when you've processed it. But I think sometimes I do share things that I have not fully processed to get the opinion uh, of other people, the experience of, of other people. It, it was very helpful while I'm trying to move through this mental health journey and recovery journey to hear how it's affected other people and how similar or dissimilar our journeys were. Um, but I, this is, this is what I know. I would tell people not to share anything that they aren't ready to, um, receive perhaps criticism on. Mm. And I had a friend of mine, um, who is, who was sharing an IVF, a a video, uh, a comedy video about her process with IVF. And we were just warning her like, heads up, you know, this going on YouTube, you, it will, you are <laughs> going to be receiving not just nice comments. And if it's something that's very personal to you, something like, you know, an attempt or a divorce, or like you said, losing your job or, or things that you might be really sensitive about, as long as you can handle or mute or whatever. Or mute. <laughs> or mute. Uh, or not look at it. Because I'm not saying not to share your art. If if I'm not saying not to share your experiences. But just knowing if you are in a sensitive place that may be waiting some time so when you're not as, you know, in the thick of it might be helpful. Um, and so I wrote my pilot that was, that was, you know, um, my trauma treatment process and, and life after this attempt, I wrote that probably like two or three years after it happened. Um, and so I was removed. I had a lot of jokes in it. It was, it was a comedy, uh, show. And so, um, that I, I was able to, you know, um, write about it. Cause I'm sure fresh out of the hospital. <laughs> I don't think, that, I mean, some people are, but like, I wasn't like, all right, let me stop by a Starbucks real quick. Um, in my hospital gown and you know, uh, so that's, that's, that's what I think. I think if you can handle whatever is going to come and it, and good things will come, you know, no matter what I do think if you're sharing about your authentic experience, like other people will also resonate with it. But unfortunately there are, um, there will be critiques and criticisms and people just trolling you just because. And um, I think it's it's really important and good to learn how to focus on on the good, you know, to learn to focus on and knowing and letting those outweigh the other voices. It's very hard to do, and I also think that is a skill. And but I think it's one worth worth, worth practicing. How are you building that skill up for yourself? Oh, okay. So I, I have, uh, limitations like on Twitter, like I have, um, on there and I keep, I keep saying Twitter, like I'm also on all the other social medias. Um, but that is the one that people 
text based means they're writing you more, I feel like, than on Instagram. Um, although I deal deal with stuff on there. But I don't Google my name ever. I find that wild. I mean, I respect the people that can do that. But um, a girlfriend of mine, we were at the Eternals premiere and she kept Googling us because she was like, oh, we're in USA Today and oh, we're in this and that uh, for our outfits. But she sent me one where they were like, making fun of the shoes I wore. It was like a fashion blog and I, I'm so sensitive. I was like, why would they say this? I'm not even in the movie. Why are they picking on me? Um, I was like, I just wore the shoes I had. Um, and it's like, Danny, uh, excuse me, if you're going to be on our screens, you need to be able to handle people critiquing your shoes. But, um, I just remember writing her and being like, hey, like, I don't I don't Google myself. And so I don't need to see this. Mm -hmm. And I actually do see a lot of my friends in the business that say that often. I see them tweeting like, hey, if someone is saying bad stuff about me, I actually don't need to see it. Um, And this goes for everyone, even (laughs) even outside of this business. Um, And so that is how that is how I I monitor it. I try not to read through comments. And I have filters. I have my reps (laughs) that people have to go through uh, in order to contact me and just kind of having boundaries. Uh, I also like we did in this, like I sometimes I do a brief of like, hey, these are things that I actually don't want to talk about Um, as open as I am about everything. (laughs) uh, There are some things I'm not. And those are private and personal to me. And so I think it's just knowing those before as you're going in. Uh, And I would say sitting down and if you're releasing a project or I don't know, even if you're trying to make changes in in the new year, just like what are the boundaries I'm going to have with family, friends, followers, people who consume my my media, um, people I'm interviewing and talking to, like what what am I willing to do and, and not do? And I think that's also something we've learned as actors to do when you get on set, because sometimes things I had a girlfriend of mine who texted me and she was like, they asked if we can do nudity. And she was like, I'm actually not bothered by it, but I'm more caught off. I'm more bothered by the fact that they just asked me Mm. because if they had included that from the beginning, like she's very, you know, has no problem doing it, but it was a fact that she was caught off guard that it felt inappropriate. And I agree with that. And so it's just like, what am I willing to do when, um, and just making sure you're firm about your boundaries because they will be tested by people. (laughs) Mm. I really appreciate you saying that about, um, about feeling caught off guard because it can be so challenging. You know, we can have all the boundaries that we that we want, you know, like, oh, these are the things that I'll do, these things that I won't. Here's the things that I am you know, curious about, circumstantial. But it's a whole nother thing when someone brings something to the table and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't consider that. Mm-hmm. I didn't consider that. And do I have time to think about it? Is a question that, I am just now in my in my life starting to ask myself um, instead of just rushing into an answer when I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. Sometimes you will be caught off guard and it's asking, do I have time to think about this? And also you can change your mind. Mm. I really think that that's an important, I feel like a lot of us are really polite or just not even polite. It's just like, wow, I don't want to mess up this opportunity. Um, but you don't want 
you want it to, uh, to be a, a positive experience, whatever you're working on or doing and not something that I I've had so many interviews where I later was like laying awake in bed, <laughs> like, just like I could not sleep. Um, cause I was like, Oh, I got this thing wrong or I did that. And I'm like, why, why wouldn't I just be like, you know, come back to the person and be like, Hey, I'm concerned about this or, um, mine, this is so, this is, you're going to laugh at this. You, you know what mine was about? Mine was on an anime podcast <laughs> because anime fans are so intense and I love anime. I have like uh, Goku and Vegeta tattoos and and I grew up watching Toonami um, and I know that's really mainstream anime, everyone. You don't have to write me, but um, <laughs> what I was going to say is I was like, I said the wrong thing. I think I said the wrong name and I was like, I could not sleep. <laughs> I was like, it bothered me all week. They're coming for sleep. me. <laughs> yes. And it was so funny because the hosts of the show were like, if you had just told us, we would have taken the video down. Like it was not worth you, like your mental health. But I had all these people like, wow, she she got this character wrong and she whatever. And like, oh, this girl knows nothing about anime. And I was like, oh, my God, my identity is being taken away. Um, and all I had to do was tell them and they and they would have just taken it down because they were like, it wasn't worth you losing sleep over. Mm. This yeah. is one how sensitive I am, I want to say. <laughs> I'm working on it. Two, again, I said OCD. I, ha I have mainly Puro uh, where I'm, I'm very obsessive and it, it can be very debilitating. Um, I think a lot of times people see people with OCD as like perfectionists and, and type A and they're high functioning and they're like, you know, that's why you have all this success is all those things. And the obsessive portion of it is, is so debilitating. Um, and it will do stuff like that. I mean, that's like a, a smaller thing, but like the fact that I literally could not sleep because I was just replaying this again and again and again and again in my head. Um, and all I had to do was, was just ask. They could have said no, but mm -hmm. I never knew. They could have said I didn't yes ask. too. Well, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't, I didn't know because I never told them until like a year later. <laughs> <laughs> As a personal card-carrying member of the Crybaby Brigade. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> <laughs> this resonates. There have been quite a few times where I've, I've felt very vulnerable or, um, or afraid. And there was something that could have been done, but I was afraid of being too much or afraid mm, of mm -hmm. making something a, a big dealer or making more work for someone. And so instead I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just suffer. <laughs> but I think a big part of, you know, the self-love journey and whatnot is um, acknowledging that even when like bringing up something that you want changed or acknowledged is hard for you it might feel really hard in that moment and it's not going to feel fun in that moment but it will feel very very fun at the end yeah and keeping your eye on that prize is something that I'm still that I'm still working on true yeah well they did they end up taking the video down oh I like their channel got bought and then deleted <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't even exist anymore I think that's when we ended up talking about it is I remember looking on their channel and it was like they got bought by a bigger media company and then they just like deleted all of their videos um 
So, yeah. But there, I mean, every day, like, that was one of the things you said about being uh, in front of the camera and being so public. I'm, I, I will, like, mess up. And it's, and it can happen publicly, you know, and that is scary because we're all human and we all make mistakes and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not always just like getting an anime character wrong. Um, and when I talk about mental health, even that I can mess up talking about that, you know, mm. I'm still in my process of recovering some, some things that I might think about certain things might be toxic because they're ideologies that I've had since I was little that I'm trying to out undo. And there are things 10 years from now that I think now will be like, this is just, just now we're starting to talk more about like grind culture and hustle culture and stuff. And it's like, okay, so if you tweeted a bunch about like grinding <laughs> and hustling and all, you know, like uh, you're kind of, you know, not help. Like, you know, that might be seen as, as being kind of this toxic work, culture, this capitalistic whatever. And so just being allowed to grow, being allowed to realize like, oh, I was in a different, I mean, and we should, you should not be in the same place that you were five years ago. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not the point of life. That's not a point of our healing and growth. And so it can be really hard. It was something that I think during the pandemic, when we were alone, I was, and I had a lot of time to think, I started to, I'm the worst at making up fake scenarios. And it was like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Um, and that's just not helpful. And so I think just allowing myself that grace, I try to be as honest as possible. I, you know, I do podcasts and interviews and, and whatnot. And if when I'm talking about anything, but especially mental health, allowing myself to be okay if I need to be corrected or be okay if I'm learning something new and not like dig my heels in about it, I guess. What does it look like to grow publicly? Um, pain, it is kind of painful. <laughs> it's a little painful, but I think, you know, my followers have, have grown along with me. I think a lot of, there's several, you know, well, there's several thousand of them, but I was going to say there's probably several hundreds of that have been with me for a long time. And I used to be, here's the thing, my comedy, I used to be really snarky because that's how people were, sorry, um, we're snarkier, a little bit cynical. I mean, that's still in. I, I don't even know what I'm saying. There's a lot of comedy writers and comedians that I follow really like, it's kind of like the snarky girl humor. And that's how I was. And I'm really not like that anymore. Um, it just, it just doesn't appeal to me. It's not authentic to me anymore. I think it is authentic to the people that still do it. Um, and I think those you know, their, their writing and their sketches and their work like goes viral. And it's really, you know, kind of this, it's really funny. I had this character that I did a sketch about that we call fuck boy, Danny, um, who's like a fuck boy version of myself. Um, and he's really toxic, but it's funny the amount of women that wrote me like, you know, oh, I can change him. Or, <laughs> I want to be with him. I like sliding in my DMs. And I'm like, want better for yourself. Like, I want better for you. Do not go after fuckboy Danny. I hate him. He's Don't do my it. 
he's my he's my tethered like he's my alter ego um but anyways this this is all to say like that's just not authentic to me anymore so when i and when i tweet like that like it doesn't even um it doesn't even feel like like me anymore i'm just such in this like more hopeful space um and so that's that's a way that i've grown and sometimes i'll look back and it was like oh i was just kind of mean like i try to not be mean about other people in the business or celebrities or actors or directors or whatever but there was definitely a time when i think i didn't care as much about that and now <laughs> i'm like oh we can definitely i think people think like people don't see these comments i'm like people definitely see see these comments um and yeah, so so it can be painful and it messy uh, to grow in, in public, but and I and I'm still growing and learning, and um, you know I might tweet something hopeful, and then I might be like you know fuck this or whatever. Like I don't know, <laughs> drop a thirst trap in there every once in a while. I do do that. I do think that that's good self love. Good documentation is how I often think of them. Yeah, I love the, the what you said about your community grows with you because when you have a commitment to yourself and a commitment to your growth, the same way as in your intimate relationships where the people who need to come to you come and the people that don't need to be there drop off and you're like, where'd they go? Like The same thing happens in your professional work. The same thing happens with your collaborators. The same thing happens with the caliber of projects that come to your desk and yeah. and it might be messy being you know a, a human because we're human yeah. beings um and also the things that come from change ultimately are always good mm. always yeah good. I have a I have a final question for you okay can you share one practice that's helping you discover who you are Mm. Mm. I know this sounds, well, I was going to say sounds easy, but, um, I'm, I meditate every day, but I do so to connect spiritually to my spirit guides, my ancestors, whatever you want to call it. If, if that's a part of your belief. And so, I do so in silence so that I can hear them, I guess, because I used to meditate and I would listen to guided meditations, which if you're new and starting out amazing, uh, cause you're not sitting there in silence. They're normally talking you through a meditation. They'll leave you alone for like a little bit, maybe like 45 seconds to a minute and then come back, you know, telling you to relax again. Um, I try to do, I tell myself if I can get just five minutes, even before I start my writer's room, I try to time like, all right, I have five minutes, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do this and sit in complete silence. Um, and the more that I do that, the more I feel I'm able to connect to what I deem as my higher self, my intuition. It's the things that I already know internally, but they get hidden by just interacting with everyone every day and getting bogged down and, and seeing the news and, and getting accosted by people online and in real life, um, that all of that kind of fades away. It's so much noise that the more that I can do that, the more I can hear my inner voice, um, saying the things that I need to hear, which is things 
that I truly think we already know. I think so much of us have had to survive so much and gone through, have gone through a healing process. And if you have been doing therapy, there's a lot of things internally that you already know to be true. Um, one of those things is why I keep saying it is happening. That is something I know. I know internal me outside. Danny is kind of like, why is this not happened? This thing is, why haven't I booked this yet? Why haven't I booked this yet? Tell me about this thing. Why didn't I get this role? Blah, blah, blah. Internally, I know it's happening. I know that if I were to check in in a year from now, I'd be like, oh, guess what? That thing happened. That thing that I knew was going to happen, it happened. And even on on smaller levels, um, I ask myself a question, I get the, and the answer pops up. And it's just like, oh, yes, of course. I always say, tell me more. I'll start writing it. I'm like, tell me more. Stay with me. Stay with me. And that is so helpful. It really has strengthened my inner my inner voice, um, which I feel like is your, your North star. I feel like it's just so true to you and, and to making the right decision when you're confused about making the right decision, the more practice you do in silence, that voice gets louder and you're actually able to hear it, you know, cause you're not so distracted by our, our daily activities. I love that. I love that. Building a connection with yourself, building a connection with your ancestors, your spirit guides, and remembering who you are. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Danny, can you tell us what you're up to right now and where the Not Yet community can find you on the internet? Um, yeah, well, I am, like you said, I'm currently writing on a Netflix drama, which I guess I don't know if I can share about. Um, but if people, if you follow me on, on the socials, I, I post about my various projects. I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez. It's M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. It is, a, it is a myriad of things. It is, uh, pictures of me, photo shoots I've done. It is a lot of, uh, inspirational posts, <laughs> um, sharing my friend's work. Um, those are my main three, I feel, are the things that I do. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And... If you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community. I'll see you next week.